Welcome back, creepy cats. This week, we are discussing crimes caused by numerous lies, aka dying for lying. Melissa is going to start by telling Jackie about the Ryan family in Toronto, Canada. What started as just covering some tracks resulted in the brutal murder of three people. Please be aware that this episode discusses graphic and violent crimes. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to a new episode of Ew, That's Creepy. We are back, and we have a really exciting theme this week. Well, it's still going to be tragic, but I think it's exciting. I don't even know what to call it. I think we should call it Dying for Lying. Oh, I like that. Family edition. I just like to think of something that rhymes and is kind of like a pun, if possible, so that's the best I can do. Well, we definitely can extend this theme and do more of it so we should make this one like family edition and then do like couples because you know damn well there are gonna be like you know lots of couple lying stories yes love lots of couples love lots of lying so basically yeah jackie and i honestly just wanted to pick stories that involved crazy lies that just spun into other lies and then eventually evolved into a murder Particularly with family members, because I don't know why that, I don't know. I feel like that was common with people lying to their family and then it just like snowballs out of control. Yeah, definitely. Let's just jump right into it. My story is uh, a Canadian story today, too. That's exciting. Love our Canadian listeners. I'm sure over there this is probably something that was really talked about because of how crazy it was. So I was going to say, I'm sure us being in America, we know nothing about it. This is like two different stories in one also, so get ready. We're talking today about the Ryan family. Specifically, this story is going to involve Brett Ryan. So, Brett Ryan, he was your typical young man living in Toronto, Canada. He was born in, I believe, 1981, and he grew up in a great family. His father, Bill Ryan, was the budget manager of the Toronto Star mag- or Toronto Star newspaper. He was a quiet, reserved man who kept to himself and taught fitness classes in his free time. His mother, Susan, or Sue, was a bubbly, friendly, uh, firm woman. She was a stay-at-home mom who loved baseball and gardening. And Brett also had three other brothers. Chris was the oldest, um, Leland or Lee was two years older than Brett, and then AJ was the youngest. And all of the Ryan boys were really, uh, great students and great people. Chris, the oldest, was, um, described as quiet and public, but he was really goofy and loving with his family. He worked as a Toronto Transit Commission fair collector. Lee who's two years older than Brett, was creative and artistic. He loved to play guitar and take photos and restore vintage furniture. And then AJ, who was the youngest, who was six years younger than Brett, was so intelligent that the Ryan parents sent him to a school for gifted students. So they are all great kids. 
Brett Ryan grew up, he had a lot of friends. He was attractive and friendly. Friends that said that he was kind of the extroverted one in the family since um, the other boys were kind of, you know, more quiet or artistic. Brett was described as your typical high school jock. He was friendly, popular, attractive, and he had a great heart by all accounts. He volunteered at Sick Kids and would referee Little League games in his spare time. He, he said he volunteered at Sick Kids. That's like, like the name, I think, of oh, the organization. Oh, okay. I was like, is that a place? I'm or? pretty sure in, I'm pretty sure in uh, Canada that's more of a common place that you can volunteer at. Because when I saw it, it was Sick Kids, one word, and the S and the K were in capitals. So I'm oh, assuming okay. that that's the name of a nonprofit. And as soon as I said that, I was like, that sounds odd when I just say it like that. Yeah, well, I was just like... I just didn't know. I just wanted to clarify. I just kept going, acting like, hopefully you wouldn't hear it. <laughs> <laughs> Like, I wouldn't notice. Don't call me on it. Um, so, yeah, like I said, he was a great person, but he did have some depression, I read in a couple articles, but he was the type to kind of keep it in rather than reach for help. Which is usually not a good thing. Yep. And let me just say, too, that the majority of this article that I'm going to read is from the uh, Toronto Life magazine, and they did, like, a super in-depth kind of article about Brett Ryan, so that's where I got a lot of this information, and I also got it from a Mr. Ballin YouTube video. Yes! We love Mr. Ballin in here. We love Mr. Ballin. And if you are into creepy stuff and if you haven't watched a mr ballin video on youtube you are seriously missing out mr ballin b-a-l-l-e-n uh so that is where i first saw the story was in his video and then like i said i used that uh, article i will link below to get kind of just a written version of everything mr ballin said because there was an article that did a really in-depth whole investigation on brett ryan and the ryan family um, after high school, Brett attended the University of Toronto, but that, he kind of felt that university was too much for him, and he dropped out before graduation and went back home and resorted to old jobs to make ends meet. He started to paint houses, which was, you know, kind of just a summer job when he was in high school, but since he had done it before, he just turned back to that for full-time work uh, as he tried to figure out where to go. But at this point, Brett was kind of struggling because he had debt from college, he was still living at home, and he wasn't making money enough to be able to afford to do anything because he's just painting houses as a side hustle. So, But he, like, told his family... Like, they knew that he came back from university, right? Because he had to stay... He had to live with them. Yes. Okay. He did tell his parents that he had dropped out, but now is when I'm going to get into our first lie, because because he was so overwhelmed that he didn't have a full-time job, loads of debt, he decided that he needed cash, and painting was not cutting it. Which I must say, real quick, not going to get into a tangent, but it just kind of highlights this, like, it's ridiculous how much students have to pay to get an education, and then... When you can't pay, the feeling of, like, overwhelmingness is just out of this world. 
Seriously. So that's basically what happened. He was so overwhelmed. And Brett decided that he was going to rob a bank. And that was going to be how he got cash. No. So he scoped out a bank. And he went to one that was eight minutes away from his parents' home that he's living at again. He went to a CIBC, Canadian Imperial Bank of Commerce. So kind of just, you know, a typical... Typical bank. Like a PNC. Yep. He had bandages on his face and put his arm in a sling as a disguise and carried a stack of papers into the bank. Like, that doesn't look suspicious. (laughs) (laughs) I know. When Brett walked up to the bank teller, he passed her the stack of papers, which had a note on top stating that Brett had a gun under the sling and he wanted $2,000 cash. The bank teller, she just complied. She didn't give him any trouble and gave Brett $1,115 that was available at the time. Brett took the money and left without getting violent or getting caught. Wow. And that started just an addiction within Brett. That's, like, pretty impressive. He didn't live that far away, and he only bandaged himself up. Mm-hmm. And listen to this. So he started, this, like I said, was just an addiction for him from the first time. And he disguised himself cheaply by using bandages and things like that. And eventually it turned into him turned into him wearing a super cheap pull-on beard that he knew was going to be on the news. And then the news started to call him the bearded bandit. Wow. He has some nuts to just do that. And, yeah. like, so you know you're going to be on TV It'd be one thing if you didn't even live close to this bank and you kind of knew that no one would recognize you, but... And this isn't 2007. This isn't, like, the 80s or the 90s. Like, they have CCTV. Exactly. So... Wow. Yeah, so he basically wore this little beard as a disguise because he knew it would be on the news and people would see it. When police caught on to the fact that there was a serial bank robber because... Brett was just planning and just scoping out bank to bank to bank and robbing them and then telling his parents that he was getting the money from painting jobs. And so police were catching on to the fact that there was a serial bank robber. And obviously in the media, on the footage, they have this fake ass beard that is being in all of these robberies. They were able to lift fingerprints from a scene, but the fingerprints did not match to anyone in the system. And this is obviously because Brett had never committed any crimes or anything like that. He had a totally clean record. So police had no knowledge of him or anything like that. This wasn't addicting. I mean, he could have just stopped and, like, took off with the money. Exactly. After one of the robberies, police noticed on an external camera a truck was speeding away from the scene. And they were eventually able to trace that truck back to Brett Ryan's parents' house. Shortly after finding the truck, police were then surveying a TD Canada Trust Bank for weeks to see if the robber would show up. And Brett's truck rolls on up to the bank. He went in, and I think he kind of knew that something was up because he basically just walked in and looked around and walked out. But police were already there waiting to arrest him because they knew that that truck was responsible. I wonder what it was that looked sus or if his instincts were just telling him, like, something's wrong. I don't know. Maybe he saw maybe he saw someone that looked like the police in the parking lot or something. I really don't know. 
In total, Brett stole $28,000 and robbed 12 banks in eight months. And they were all in the Toronto area, like right around his parents' house and stuff. Come on, Brett. Brett pleaded guilty to all of the charges presented from the bank robberies and awaited trial in jail for a few months. By 2009, Brett's friends and family had started to write into the judge in the trial stating how great of a person Brett was. His friends and family and volunteer members that he worked with, they wrote in that Brett was just this nice young man who was just friendly and attractive and meant well. And they frequently described his surfer looks and how he was just this nice guy and, you know, volunteered and how this was out of character for him because he was really overwhelmed about what was going on in his life. And... Because of the overwhelming amount of people who were contacting the judge and the justices in this case, um, Brett was sentenced to just five years in prison. Well, he got the deal of a lifetime with that one. And he got time served. And then he got parole. So he basically spent no time in prison. Yep. Okay. He was out very shortly. And he's, I'm sorry, is he white? You know, he is. (laughs) Girl. Yeah, and like I said, that's why everyone keeps kind of referencing saying these looks, like these surfer looks and stuff, because he is a um, a younger, attractive man. But I'm like, what the hell does that have to do with anything? Yeah, what does that have to do with anything? And also, nobody, I mean, people did feel pity, but, like, no one felt that bad for Patty Hearst when she was robbing banks, so, and she was an attractive young woman. I know. Wait, we'll touch more on that later, um, actually. Huh, okay. So, at this point, Brett, like I said, he does his time. He had no, um, no instances in jail or anything. He gets out and, you know, he's like, woo, I'm out now. But he kind of obviously realizes when he comes out that it's not so easy to just slide back into society. It was hard because... People weren't just going to let him back into their homes to paint because they knew his face. They knew that this happened. It was a smaller town. And he didn't have a college degree. He didn't have any money from before. And He should have made artwork of the crimes that he committed and then sold them. You're on to something. I've actually, I read a story about someone who uh, made artwork and they were... They were into counterfeiting. They printed fake money, and then when they got out of jail, they made artwork that was inspired by money. It would do, like, Benjamin Franklin and oh, stuff like cool. that. Oh, that's cool. He should so do cool. something like that. I know. Well, so, another thing, too, like, obviously you could Google Brett Ryan if he was trying to be employed by someone and this scandal would just come up, but the Ryan family also were, everyone was gossiping about them the whole time. Hmm. And they just made the decision to sell their home and move to a smaller house in a neighborhood that was um, close, but not close enough for people to just know their entire life story. That's sad. I know it is. The move seemed to be great for the family, though, at this point, because it seemed like a good thing. Sue, the mother, settled back in. She started gardening the whole front lawn, which was like her thing. Mm -hmm. She made friends with the neighbors, so everything seemed to be fine when they moved. Brett also re-enrolled in classes at University of Toronto, and his parents agreed to give him some financial help to go back to school and to start seeing a psychologist 
who stressed the importance of being honest with his family and to just be honest with people and don't get yourself all caught up. So it looked like Brett was getting right back into things. And in late 2011, Brett actually was set up on a blind date with Kristen Baxter, a young, pretty blonde woman working as a sociotherapist. Excuse me. Brett had a great, or I'm sorry, Kristen had a great job. She had a nice condo of her own. She loved to hike and travel and walk her puppy. She seemed like a really great person. Love that for her. Yeah, and Kristen Baxter, she was kind of just the stability that Brett wanted to have and that he needed in his life. So shortly after Kristen and Brett became a couple, Brett was honest and told Kristen about his past. Good. And uh huh. And she accepted that. She was like, You did the time and everything and you've done nothing but great things since you got out, so I accept that. That's sweet. And that also must shows that she must have genuinely loved him and, like, cared for him. Right? He was honest with her. So, again, everything is great and things are working out well. They actually move in together. Brett moves into um, Kristen's condo. Smaller than his parents' house, but he, you know, just happy to kind of be settling into another life. About a year after Brett and Kristen move in together, Brett's father passed away. And so... He started to need to go home more, but he started to help his mom doing jobs around the house, and she would pay him for the jobs and some administrative work that Brett's father used to do. So the loss was hard on the family, but it did bring Brett and his mom closer together, and it did give him some extra income while he was still taking classes at the University of Toronto. However... Things then start to unravel again. I was going to say, this story sounds too good. (sighs) Because, so, Brett is totally in love. He proposes to Kristen with a pricey princess cut diamond ring with all these little diamonds. But he decides that school is too much for him and drops out of the University of Toronto. Which, like, that's totally fine, but isn't that the same exact thing he did the first time? Yes, So in 2015, Brett again drops out of classes at University of Toronto and doesn't tell Kristen or his mom or anyone in his family. Brett, no, you're like... And he's acting like he's going to class. I like can't even say anything because it's like I feel really bad for him and I'm sure that's really tough, everyone just knowing who you are, but... Like, you have to get through that rough patch if you're gonna really overcome what happened what is the best thing to do like with a bad opinion is to prove it wrong so get back on the high horse finish the classes show everyone you have what it takes and do the damn thing yeah and it's not even that you have to like if university isn't his thing that's fine but be honest with people like how do you ever expect the public to trust you but how do you ever expect your family to trust you again if you're not telling them like Big deals like that. Exactly. Big, huge parts of your life. Mm -hmm. Exactly. 
So he drops out again. He acts like he's going to class. He goes all the way with this charade until graduation and then just tells them he graduates and got it, like, sent in the mail or something. He doesn't even (sighs) give them a reason for why they didn't come. Which any mom would be really upset about that. And she was. She was suspicious, but at the same time, she was kind of just like, okay, maybe he just wants to move on with that chapter yeah. You don't want to, especially all that's happened, I'm sure they don't want to doubt him. He's grown. Like, they want to believe it. Exactly, and he's grown at this point. He's not, like, in his teens, mm-hmm. you know. He's about to get married. So his mother, like, she did think it was odd, but she just thought, you know, he was humble or he wants to just put that past him. In 2016, Brett caught a huge break when a Toronto tech firm offered him a job and this was a big deal because it was, like, prestigious technology firm, and he wasn't experienced. He had just graduated and didn't have any internship or job before that. And this Toronto firm seriously offered him a job. Seriously. I, like, honestly want to ask them why. <laughs> like, Brett, what did you say in this interview? Give us all pointers. <laughs> Brett told his family and Kristen, and they took him out to celebrate, and they're all happy. And then he got this huge job just after graduation he's getting married soon however the week after the toronto tech firm offered brett the position they found out about brett's past as the bearded bandit and they retracted their offer that's tough that's sad because it's like i get why a company would do that but that wouldn't just really crush your soul if you're Brett. But then he didn't even graduate. So it's like, if they didn't find that out, eventually they're going to figure out that you never graduated. And it's like, why would you not just... T- Own up to it and exactly. say it. You could have said that in the interview and used that as a point. Like, I yep. changed my life around and this is where I am. And I promise, like, you know, he could have used that. So for the company, they could have just been like, but you lied to us. The first time we yeah, it probably it might not even have been that like you did this. It probably was you didn't tell us anything about that. Right. So now Brett's lying to them about his degree. He doesn't have one. He now the job offer that he really did have is retracted because of his past. And Brett starts telling Kristen and his mother and his friends and family that he's just you know working at this Toronto tech firm. And tells them that he's just, you know, working from home and that's why he's not going to work. And every day Kristen leaves and goes to her job and Brett just says that he starts work when she leaves and she doesn't think anything of it and thinks that he really did start this new job. And in the, Kristen obviously keeps going about her life and is excited and she's planning their upcoming wedding In the Toronto Life article I read, it said that Kristen and Brett's wedding was to be held at this Creekside venue with dinner being priced at $100 a plate. (laughs) Who's paying for that? And Kristen had hired a realtor to help her and Brett look for a house to move into after their wedding. Again, who's paying for that? Yeah, and Brett, I can understand how at first you would want to lie to keep this relationship going, but at what point... Did you think you'd be able to get away with all these lies? Like, these are just too many big lies that I don't know how you would live the rest of your life married to somebody. I know. I know. One month before the wedding, Brent finally realizes that he's in over his head. One month before the wedding, now he realizes he's in over his head and he needs help. He knew that he would need to find a job soon or 
you know, get money because he was kind of on his mom's ass to keep having these side jobs. And eventually, you know, she's like, I'm giving you all the side jobs I can give you. And also you have a full-time job, apparently. Yeah. (laughs) Apparently. (laughs) Brett decides he just needs to be honest. But when he decides to just be honest, he's being honest with his mom and he's not telling her everything and then being like, okay, help me tell Kristen. He tells her everything about he doesn't have a degree. He doesn't have a job with the tech firm. And he tells his mom this whole story. And then at the end, he's like, but will you help me keep lying to Kristen and we'll get married and like, you'll still give me money. And his mom (laughs) is like, no, actually, he was so surprised Sue, his mother, said, no, I'm not going to keep lying for you. And actually, you need to tell Kristen before the wedding that you don't have a degree and you don't have a job. If you don't tell Kristen, I'm telling her myself. I mean, it's kind of tough love. Like, that's something, though, that Duncan, if she was just going to lie and go along with it, and then this came out, like, later on, it's weird enough to have to lie to someone when you know it's a lie and to just know that their relationship would be a lie and they could get divorced at any time. Like, no. Right. Imagine eating your $100 plate at their wedding <laughs> thinking, like, you know. Giving your son away <laughs> to marry this beautiful, successful woman and you know that it's a lie. Exactly. So, Susan, she's a great mom and a great woman, and she, like I said, said, no, I'm not lying. I'm not giving you more money. Tell her yourself. She even said, if you tell Kristen the truth and you want to move back in, like, I'll help you until you find another job. She was doing the best mom thing she could do. When Brett heard this, he immediately knew that he was not telling Kristen And if anything, he's about to murder his mom. Oh my god. It went zero to a hundred in his mind. If he told Kristen the truth and she left him and he would have to go back to his mom's house, he was like, I'm assuming just thinking, I'm going to have to have this whole cycle that I had before and everything I've done in the years leading up to this is out the window. It's kind of crazy that he can, like, he knows what jail is like. It's not like somebody who, a lot of times with people who have never been in jail, you have, like, this fantasy of what crime is. Like, he knows what it's like to get caught and how the system runs. That's so true. I didn't even think of that. Oh, bro. And Brett really had this deserving type of attitude. He really thought that because he was a great person, because he had volunteered, and because he did things for others, that he deserved to have this great life and have, you know, all these things. But it's kind of like, that's not what volunteering is. And you don't, you're not guaranteed to have anything in this world. So it's kind of, you know, I don't, I don't know where he's getting this attitude. I think just, um... It probably came from the judge letting him off at that point and just having this sense of, like, I'm a great person, so I should do whatever I want, and it's okay if I lie to people. Very true. Um, Like I said, he's now plotting his mother's murder. Brett is plotting to murder. He's, like, planning this wedding, plotting a murder, acting like he's going to work. (laughs) He's totally (laughs) swamped with things. (laughs) He's swamped with work. (laughs) And when I say work, we mean his job of plotting his mother's murder. Exactly. That is now his full-time job. (laughs) Okay. And he's still, like, going over to their house, renovating. Listen to this. So he finds out that he can't purchase a firearm because... He's a felon. What a, you had to find that out. Like, you didn't just know that. 
didn't tell you that when you were a felon? No, I'm pretty sure he knew that. Like, okay. there's no records of that. But he, like he Googled, can a felon own a firearm? Uh, no, he was smart enough to know that. Because he bought a crossbow because he realized he could buy a crossbow. You can buy them, like, off Amazon. And you just have to be 18. He buys this crossbow secondhand, so there will be no trace of it online that he bought it. And in the days leading up to his planned crimes, he's going over to his mom's house to renovate and do his little side jobs. And on one of his trips to renovate, Brett stashes a crossbow in his house and arrows in the garage because the garage was all messy and cluttered from all the renovations and he knew that no one would see it. Why in the world would you not just use a knife? I don't know. I don't know. Like, how would you think you'd be able to grab this crossbow and load it and all that quicker than you could just grab some other sort of instrument that would probably be at the home? I thought the same thing. Well, clearly he is not thinking at this point. (laughs) It's crazy because he is thinking. Listen to the extent he went to this. (laughs) The extent that he thought. (laughs) Yeah, he thought this out. On August, well, okay, this part actually really confuses me. On October 25th, 2016, so this is the day, Brett and Kristen, they wake up, they go about their morning, they get ready for work. <laughs> Brett is still, like, carrying on the charade, acting like he's go- or he's working from home. He watches Kristen leave her con- their condo and her condo and drive away, <laughs> and he puts his plan into motion. Part of his plan was that he had made these two different devices One was a device that was a rotating fan with a wooden spoon attached, plugged into a timer. And when the timer would go off, the fan would rotate around and the spoon would land on the enter key. So Brett intentionally left the mouse hovering over an app, hovering over a YouTube video. And the timer was set to go off and it would spin the spoon around and click and it would press down and enter and click on a video like he was watching it. Wow. So he... That's pretty impressive. ...thought this out. He also made... Just not very well. (laughs) Yeah. He also made another device using a phone and a tablet. So this was like a similar type of deal. Um, I just put in... Let me... I'll read a quote directly from the Toronto Life Magazine article that I'll link in the description. So, quote, Next, he took... Two more portable fans also plugged into digital timers and screwed them to a wooden board, which he placed on the granite countertop of the kitchen island. He taped styluses to the casings of the fans. Then Brett screwed a smartphone and a tablet to another wooden board so that the screens faced the fan. When the timer went off, the fans would turn, the styluses would tap the phone and tablet, and each would send out pre-typed messages, one thanking a friend for a real estate tip, and the other about home repair. The timers were rigged to go off at various points through afternoon, throughout the afternoon, and the devices were set so they wouldn't go to sleep while he was away. End quote. So he planned this entire thing to watch videos on YouTube and to send texts and send emails to people and click around Google. The layout and the creation of the devices was pretty impressive because... It was one of those things that he could say to the police, like, I'm watching YouTube and I'm texting my friends and this and that. But what's confusing to me is that I read in two articles that the device wasn't used on the day of the murders. Then why'd you make it? 
So I'm not 100% sure, but when they went, when, like, later on, when police go to Brett's home, they do see the devices are there. So they're fully set up, but I guess they weren't turned on, actually, or the timers weren't actually activated. That part... They probably didn't work. (laughs) I don't know, but either way, he had these devices set up to do all of these things and have a digital footprint while he's away. The last part of Brett's plan involved packing for the day. He had on two pairs of jeans, brought along a former disguise. So he has his wig, his his trusty wig, his trusty (laughs) bucket hat, and his extra clothes. He packed all the necessary tools for his crossbow. And like I said, um, there were already the crossbow itself and the arrows were already stashed at his parents' garage. The final part of the plan involved walking down 14 flights of steps at the condo and leaving the building through the back to avoid all cameras because he'd already surveillanced the condo and found that that was the best way. And then he took a bus to his mom's house, got off the bus, and then walked. All right, so he took a bus, like, to the vicinity and then got off the bus and walked 10 minutes to his mom's house. Oh, my God. I would be sweating. So much. Which I thought, like, myself, couldn't someone on the bus have identified you? But whatever. Yeah. Brett's mother was, like, surprised because she hadn't invited him over and she had just canceled lunch with a friend because she didn't feel good. Brett, again, asked his mom to keep his secret hidden from Kristen. And he says that, you know, he's just going to ask and that if she agrees, he'll just be like, yay, I'm not going to kill you now. And we'll never have to speak of this. (laughs) However... Brett's mom, again, Sue, she holds her ground. She's like, no, I told you last time and I'm telling you again, I'm not lying for you and I'm not doing this. And they actually, it turns into an argument. The conversation, they're now yelling back and forth and arguing. And Sue calls Brett's oldest brother, Chris, and asks him to come over to help settle things down. At this point, Brett knew that the situation was spinning out of control and that that was not part of the plan, and he was like, okay, I need to just go get the crossbow at this point. Oh my god, just, like, set aside the plan for another day then or something. Like, how is this going to work when his brother is literally on the way over? This gives me anxiety just thinking about it, that he still thinks that there's a way. I know. Sue walks, or Brett goes to the garage because he's like, I'm getting the crossbow and I'm getting my things that I stored in there. And when he does, because they're still arguing, Sue obviously follows him into the garage and she's still talking to him as he's walking in. Even if they weren't, she probably would have just been like, where are you going in the middle of a conversation? Exactly. (laughs) Of this argument that he started. And so Brett walks in and he... He realizes that he's not going to have time to load the crossbow, but now he's just realizing, like, he's in the garage and he is just so stuck to the plan that he turns around and grabs the crossbow and just decides to grab the arrow, the pointy one that you load and you fire. He turns around and he stabs his mother in the cheek and then stabs her in the ear, forcing her to the ground. And then once she's on the ground, Brett picked up a piece of yellow nylon rope that was in the garage and strangled his mother to death. So Brett strangles and kills his mother. And then there, um, he just, I think leaves her there for right now because he knows that Chris is coming. And so he decides to just hide behind the door leading to the garage and wait for Chris to come home and find his mom. That's horrible. And it's sad because that's exactly what happened. 
Chris comes home and he's yelling for, um, you know, he's not yelling, but he's just looking around looking for his mom and Brett. And he sees the door open to the garage, sees his mom lying in the doorway. And he runs into the garage. And when he does, Brett at this point had loaded the crossbow and just silently steps out and just fires straight into the back of Chris's neck. And since it, it was a crossbow at point blank, the force killed Chris on impact and was um, the arrow was sent from his neck into his mouth. Oh my god, I am so shook. Yeah. Like, I don't even have anything to say. Chris is then killed on impact, like I said. Um, he falls on the ground in the garage and Brett takes his mother's body and then takes Chris's body, puts it on top of his mother's. I think it was like behind some flooring that they had stacked in the garage for renovation. And he puts a tarp over the two of them. He then at this point is, I think he's still just going to continue on with his plan at this point, even though he killed Chris. So he was getting his disguise and everything like that. And Unfortunately, his youngest brother, AJ, pulled into the driveway unexpectedly because AJ still lived at home. No. At this point, Brett knew the plan is over, but instead of just abandoning the plan, he's like, my plan is over to commit the crimes this way, but I'm still, at this point, I'm just going to kill everyone. (laughs) Brett runs outside, meets Chris in the driveway, and just starts attacking... You mean AJ. Or, I'm sorry. You're right. Brett runs out and starts attacking AJ with the same arrow. He doesn't load the crossbow. I'm not sure why. I think it just because he was startled that AJ had come home. He just took the arrow from the crossbow, walks outside, outside and starts attacking AJ in the driveway in the middle of the daytime. Oh, my God. Brett ends up, they're struggling a little bit, they're grappling back and forth, and Brett ends up stabbing AJ in the neck with the arrow, and AJ collapsed onto the driveway. During the time that they were fighting back and forth, the final Ryan brother, Leland, we'll call him Lee for short, Lee was just taking a nap, and he woke up because of the yelling and the Oh my god, he was there? Yeah, he was there the whole time, because... When you think about it, when Brett killed his mother, there wasn't really that much noise because she... I'm still just surprised you wouldn't, like, wake up from hearing your brother and mom arguing. I know. I'm not sure about that. Um, yeah, but he didn't. He had... He finally woke up when, uh, when Brett was attacking AJ out in the driveway. And so Lee is startled by this and he goes downstairs and, um... When he, by the time that Lee like woke up, he knew that they were arguing, but he looked outside and he saw AJ was just lying on the driveway in a pool of blood. And so Lee rushed to the phone to call 911, but before he could even call, Brett was now inside attacking him. Oh my gosh. The two brothers, so now Brett and Lee, are in this cinematic fight to the finish, knocking over furniture, throwing each other from room to room, literally a movie bleeding everywhere because Brett is soaked in blood from numerous family members. And Lee at one point had been thrown into furniture and had a gash in his head. So Lee is now bleeding profusely. Lee manages to break free of Brett's attack and make a run for it. 
And when he ran at the door, it's so sad, he saw AJ was still barely alive, attempting to drag himself to the end of the driveway. No. Barely breathing. I know, it's so sad. Um, Lee made it to the door, or he ran out, and he did go to the closest neighbor's house, and he banged on the door. And when they answered, he screamed that his brother AJ was bleeding in the driveway, and he needed to go to the hospital, and that the police needed to get there immediately. Uh, Lee was so injured, he actually passed out at the neighbor's house and was just covered in blood. So, Lee goes unconscious at the neighbor's house, um, and AJ is now unconscious in the driveway. Meanwhile, Brett just knows that there's no turning back. Uh, he thought AJ was dead, and he knows that Lee is not, and... So, Brett just goes to the fridge, gets a bottle of water, leaves the fridge wide open because he doesn't care, and he just sits out on the steps and waits for police. Wow, I really thought he was going to kill himself. No. And when police show up, he, like, makes some sort of comment, like, yeah, I should have called the police for AJ, or I should have took AJ to the hospital. I mean, yeah, kind of. Why would, when you're sitting there waiting, why didn't you tend to your brother? But I guess you don't care that much when you killed him for no apparent reason. None. When first responders arrive, AJ was unconscious and he died shortly after paramedics arrived. Damn it. Brett, um, yeah, so Brett killed AJ, his youngest brother, his oldest brother, Chris, and his mother, and severely injured Lee. Lee did survive. I'm so happy Lee survived, but that breaks my heart, like, surviving, knowing that you just slept through your whole family getting killed, and then you almost got killed yourself, and you had to just run by your dying brother on the driveway. Seriously, run by your brother as you know he's dying because of your other brother did this. (sighs) While on trial, Brett, he admitted to to the crimes, obviously. He admitted to it from day one. He never said he didn't do anything. But he told prosecutors and police that it wasn't so intentional. He told prosecutors that he disabled all of the little alibi devices, which in some articles it did say they were disabled. However, he might have disabled them, and that's true, but he disabled the timer. The devices were still fully set up. If they weren't, we wouldn't know that he even made them. So just because you didn't have the timer working that day, I don't really think that that doesn't show intent because you built these devices to have a digital footprint. That's so much thought and effort and time. Yep. He also claimed that he was just going to get the crossbow and threaten his mother. He didn't want to kill her. He just wanted to scare her into, like, complying to his little wishes. Yeah, I don't believe that for a second. Agreed. Because he said all of this and said it wasn't as intentional, he got second-degree murder for the death of his mother. (sighs) For his brother, Chris, he did receive first-degree murder because he waited behind the door, and so that was intentional, clearly. And for AJ, he received second-degree murder because he didn't plan for AJ to show up. It was just the heat of the moment AJ showed up. I mean, yeah, that one I agree with. But his mom, like, I still don't think that. I just... I just don't. (laughs) I totally agree because he planted the crossbow there. And then he walked over to get it knowing that it was there and knowing she didn't know it was there. But he said it was just going to scare her. Okay. Brett received three consecutive life sentences plus 10 years for attempted murder. 
I read in some cases, or in some articles, he is eligible for parole. I read in some that he's not. Yeah, I don't see that happening, even in Canada. And let me just get this. Okay, give me, like, the next three minutes are going to be me just ranting, because (laughs) Justice John McMahon said in his sentencing hearing that he believed that Brett Ryan is genuinely sorry and genuinely a good person, And he commended that Brett was well-dressed and well-spoken in court and just admitted to things. But I'm like, okay, what does that mean well-dressed have to do with anything again? What does, like, because he's intelligent and well-spoken, you think that he's sorry? And I disagree because he said that he admitted to things because Brett did cry the whole time and say how sorry he was and made statements saying he's like of the utmost, you know, he's so sorry and all this stuff. But I do think that there's intent there. There was so much planning so many times when you could have just stopped and admitted to things and told Kristen the truth and move back in with your mom, all of that. And I'm sorry, but you have literally been in a situation like this that is so similar before. Like, you know what it's like to get caught. You know what all of that is like. So, And he didn't turn himself in for the robberies, so you know he's the type of person who's fine with lying and getting away with it. And what was going to happen if he didn't get caught and just killed all of his brothers and went home and set off the devices? I don't think he had any intention of ever turning himself in. So I really do think this is one of those cases where it's kind of like the white man look. He's young. He's handsome. He's white. He's blonde. He has blue eyes. So yep. he's a good person. Mm-hmm. And he, like, it might be hard for us to admit that our volunteers are not great people. And that is hard to admit sometimes. Yeah. But just because you did volunteer work in the past and you come from a good family doesn't make you a great person. He lied for that whole time with the bank robberies and people forgave him and gave him another chance. And that was nice enough. Even though it's hard to get back in society, he went and did this all again. And like we just said, there were so many times he could have went back. So, and am I being harsh people? Am I being harsh people? Tell me, I don't think I am. I don't think you are either, but I definitely want other people's opinion. It's just the thing that, really just bugs me is the use of privilege like if that was anybody else other than him or honestly anybody who wasn't white they probably would still have been in prison today for robbing those banks like people get life sentences for bank robberies so the fact that he just took all of that as if it was nothing Yep. Like, I would have been happy, truly would have been happy living with my parents the rest of my life and working at a damn McDonald's if it meant that I wasn't locked up in prison for the rest of my life when so many other people who are similarly situated are. Why not just ask your mom to redo the house and do the renovations and ask her if you can take the house when she doesn't want it anymore and you can have your own house and, you know, redo it and... Get started on that and do something. If he couldn't face Kristen, like, he should have just said to his mom, like, I can't tell her on my own. Like, can you at least help me tell her? Like, can you help me break this news to her? Yep. It's just the privilege because his mom didn't even have to offer him to move back in and help him when he lied the second time. Yeah, uh-huh. 
So I just thought the whole time, like you said, I kind of just thought the whole time, like, what would the sentencing have been if he was a black man? But, Mm -hmm. I mean, honestly, it it really is neither here nor there because he did get um, the sentences he deserved. He got three consecutive life sentences. But it's the end of the story, and I wanted to rant because I thought that those comments by the justice were annoying because it was literally an entire paragraph of this justice commending Brett Ryan. And I'm like, Lee is probably sitting there in court while you're saying all this. How do you think Lee feels knowing that Brett is being commended while Lee's entire life is torn apart? And what is the point? Like, seriously, what is the point of commending Brett? He's in jail. Who cares? Who cares? Exactly. He is, what, a triple murderer? Yep. Who cares if he's a good guy? Yep. And I'm sorry if that sounds harsh, but it's kind of just like, I care a little bit more about the victims than he left behind than how he's doing. Seriously. And Lee, to this day, he doesn't uh, speak publicly, so he won't um, be in articles or anything like that. But in the court, he said that this completely has traumatized him ruined his life and that he thinks every day about his brother taking his last breath in the driveway and having to see that and clearly this whole experience has effed up his entire existence and um I just really hope Lee for you being out there that you get the justice you deserve and that Brett shouldn't have been the focus on this whole sentencing and stuff it should have been the effect on Lee and that should have decided the outcome but I mean rant over. Lee, I'm sending you all the good energy. And that is my story on the lies and lies and lies and lies told by Brett Ryan. I'm irritated. Did you like my story? (laughs) Yeah, I really like the story. I just, I'm so mad at Brett. (laughs) I know. Like, I'm just so hurt. (laughs) Because he had had great people who loved him, and he just messed it all up because he wanted to. And so many people would just be grateful to have the family, but what do I know, I guess? Yep. Double liar for both of your bank robbery and the crimes. Lots of lots of lies. You were definitely right with that. Well, let us know, you guys, if you liked this theme. I hope you guys did. I've been feeling really in the mood for just so much drama lately, so that's why the stories I've been picking have been all over the place. Let me know if you guys like it. Let me know if you just want a classic, like, husband murders wife, wife murders husband, the good old thing. A classic lie story. (laughs) And thank you guys so much for listening to another episode. We love you. And we love our Canadian listeners, and I love picking another Canada tale. And let us know if you guys have more juicy Canada stories for us, too. Yes. Or send us your juicy stories. We love them. Yeah. Thank you so much. We'll see you guys next time. Bye. Bye. Want to creep on us? Follow us on social media at ew, that's creepy podcast, or send us an email at ew, that's creepy podcast at gmail.com. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Thanks, creepy cats.